In this episode of Man vs. Marriage, it's the Barbaro family, Julia and Gino, a.k.a. the G-Daddy. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. Is man versus marriage the Welcome back to another episode of Man versus Marriage. I'm your humble servant, the cute dog in the Moran family studio with my lovely wife, Jeannie Moran. Honey, tell the people you love them. No, I think you're doing a good enough job. Yourself. Oh, hell, let me turn your microphone on, babe. There you go. There it is. I hey. I think you're doing okay by yourself. I'm, I'm yep. good. Yep. This leads to the pre-show and uh, Quincy is someday going to be a real boy. Uh, with that being said, you already know her, uh, my astute audience. It's Julia Barbaro, and you have had um, the pleasure of hearing at least one episode with her. Uh, she is a mother of six. She is a wife. She is an author. She's an entrepreneur. She's a marriage coach. She is a life coach. And now we have the G-Daddy, who is always by her side, and he is an entrepreneur himself, he has a business. He has a podcast, the podcast of which I am a new fan, and I am now listening each and every time one comes out, so I'm excited. That is jakeandgino.com. They are juliaandgino.com. And Man versus Marriage, we welcome you, Barbaro family. And hey, Julia, have I said your last name right every single time so far? Every single time. Yes, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Okay, the floor is yours. Uh, welcome to the Man vs. Marriage podcast, you two. Uh, Gino, Julia, uh, thank you very much for coming on and fighting through the uh, technology uh, situations that we had going on. And the, and the floor is yours to tell us a little bit about yourself and then what we're going to talk about today. I just want to start off the podcast by saying that it was Gino who figured out that we had to use a different browser. Usually it's Julia who comes up with the, uh, with the, who, with, with, with the solution, Sometimes but she was, she was freaking out a little bit. I'm surprised. Usually <laughs> we can have it all together this time. And I just got lucky. I said, Hey, let's try Google Chrome. And that worked. So for those of you out there, it's a team. It's all about teamwork, right, Joel? Yeah. And it's not one takes credit over the other. Although when we do something right and I do it right, I usually take the credit for it. But I think when you're talking about when you're talking about man and marriage, it comes down to working as a team. And as you start growing together, it doesn't matter who's right and who's wrong. You're all trying to, I guess, go towards the same goal. And sometimes we forget about that. Sometimes as men, we want to be right and we want to, you know, show our, our prowess. But at the end of the day, is it's really about creating the solution and trying to work together with your spouse. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm, thank you, Quincy. Thank you, Jeannie, for having me on again. It's, it's, it's interesting because it, the dynamics is always different when my, my loving <laughs> husband is here. It's very different, which I love. It's just funny. I didn't expect him to come on. I was so excited when he had, a, had an opening. So we're really excited to talk. Well, to Quincy and, and Jeannie, when you put a mic in front of me and my wife is looking at me to start the conversation, I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to let it rip. So, um, yeah, it's really, it's a lot of fun to speak to audiences who are focused on marriage, who are focused on family, who are focused on legacy. Cause that's what I started Jake and Gino for. I wanted to be one of the pillars was really about family and relationships. Why are we going out there making all this money and trying to create impact? If we can't create impact, from within our own family and being role models for that. So I'm always excited to talk to people who have podcasts that basically are focused on this topic. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. And I, I have to go back to what you were saying and then kind of in the man versus marriage philosophy, um, we don't fight to be right. We fight for what is right in our relationship. So it's, it's great to know that y'all share that very same principle. So, um, we, we look forward to this and I one of the one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because um, listening to y'all's podcast both together and then the one you do with Jake y'all you're both entrepreneurs and you're a family man and you have six children I have eight children so we both know what it's like um, to bear the burden even though I, I take the responsibility as an honor not necessarily a burden but to go out and make something happen 
for our families so that we provide for them. So if you would, you know, just a, a quick a quick look back at the history of Quincy Moran. Um, always been an entrepreneur, uh, always been a guy who's out trying to do something, whether it was, yes, Jeannie's shaking her head, um, whether it was radio, whether it was a t-shirt company, whether it was a film production company, et cetera, trying to do something um, so that I could generate income. Uh, the problem, oh, I was coaching uh, high school football at the same time. Mm -hmm. So the problem was, is I was out chasing something because I, I went based on what I heard my wife saying, which is we just don't have enough. Um, and I really didn't understand that what was what was more important is that they needed my time because my time is a non-renewable currency. So I'm sure that you fought that battle and, and you found some balance or you can give us some insight to that. For me, I've realized over the years that if you want to be good at something, you have to A, make a commitment to it, and B, you have to be able to sacrifice things. So if you're going to be the entrepreneur like you are and like myself, there's certain things that I've had to sacrifice over the years. I can't take a Sunday and go play golf with the buddies. Can't do that. That's six hours that I need to spend with my family. I can't go out drinking and going on vacation with my friends. It's it's really all about the family. And I have to become crystal clear. I have to know what my my path and what my goals are. And I'm not here to tell anybody on the show what theirs are. I'm just saying become crystal clear because we don't lack motivation in life. We lack clarity. And if we don't have clarity on what we're trying to achieve, like you're going out there trying all these different ventures to make money. And unfortunately, for most of us, we don't understand that there are rules of money. And if we don't follow the rules of money, we're not going to become wealthy. Just like football. If you're playing, you know, if you're playing football with a soccer ball, and you're not following by the rules, you're not going to be really good at football. And it's the same thing with money, understanding those rules. But I digress from that. Really sacrificing things that are not part of what you want. And I see this in front of me. My wife's got this word called values written down in her binder. And really what I want everyone to think about as they're listening to this, flush out what your values are. I mean, is it integrity for us? Is it long-termism? Is it responsibility junkie? Is it family what are those values for you and then try to select those values and try to live by those values and try to continue to make decisions for your life based upon those values so when something goes right or wrong you can say hey i did it i i, I made that decision based on my values it didn't work i'm gonna try again and then when you when you see things or you're, you're making decisions that are not based on, upon your values you may be achieving that goal but it may be pushing you farther away from your values and you may not feel really good about that decision yeah. And uh, two, I just want to add is, is that sometimes, because I, I, I think back to when, for instance, when Gino left the restaurant and he wanted to have his new adventure in real estate. And I, you know, thinking, I don't know anything about that. I, I, it's completely new to me. Uh, he was he was educating himself, of course, but I had to have complete trust. I knew he was um, a person that would somehow provide for us no matter what. And, and so that trust goes a long way. Because if I'm going to be home sitting, complaining, you're leaving the restaurant for what? You know, how do you know you're going to make money and put more fear in his mind that he already had? You know, we have to remember that, ladies, that we can we can really cause a lot of damage to our husbands by putting extra fear that they already have about providing for us. And we don't know what it's like to be them as well as they don't know what it's like to be us taking care of kids at home if that's what you're doing. But that's where I was. And so I, I had to be careful on what I said and how I said it, because like I said, did I want to let the fear grow in his mind or did I want to truly support him and let him know that I truly do trust him? And that's something that I had to think about. I had the honor today of interviewing a gentleman named Gary Ridge. He's the CEO of WD-40, small, amazing little company. And what he said to me when he had to pick up and leave Australia to come to the United States, uproot his family, move 8,000 miles. He said he was scared, but he wasn't afraid. And I asked him to expand upon that. And when I look mm. back at my life, coming to Florida, leaving the restaurant, choosing different ventures, I was always scared of it, but I wasn't afraid because I had somebody to support me. I had my wife to support me. And I knew that if it wouldn't work out, she'd be understanding. And she, she knew that I gave it my best. So having a partner to be able to, to be able to take that burden off of you because anything you try in life it's you're you're going to be scared and it never goes away you're never going to overcome 
being scared or you're never going to overcome fear. You can tame them. You can get used to them. You can learn how to live truly uncomfortable. And that's a great place to be when you're disrupting that comfort in your life and becoming uncomfortable. That's a great place to be. But always think that you're not the only one out there who's scared. But if you can tap into your spouse or your significant other, someone out there who you can lean upon and and, and they can really help you out. I, I To this day, every time I do something new, it is a little scary for me, but I'm not afraid. I'm willing to take One that challenge things, on. Though, I, I really do recommend, and I think both of us, we didn't do this early on, is we didn't let each other know that we were afraid. We didn't let each other know that we were so uncertain and scared. We kind of went in like, oh, yeah, I got this. I'm good. You know, don't worry about it. Would you agree with that? I'm the G-Dad. I'm I, not afraid of anything. But you right? weren't back then. So. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I have this persona. Of a strong, well, it's Ruined a strong man thing. It's very well, difficult. You mentioned when that you... yesterday is, yes. that, is that a lot of the guys feel like they have to be Okay, I don't remember how you worded it. I, be the perfect father. Be the strong dad there. Be the perfect role model. Not show any kinks in the armor. Be there as the provider. But also, you have to remember, guys, is that you also have to show the uncertainty father, the scared father. You do. The kids need to see that part of you because it shows them that when they're going to grow up, they're going to marry someone like you, and you're, they're never going to live up to their dad because there's no such thing as perfect father. You, there's no, you, you men, living men, human men are not going to be perfect. And I think the kids do need to see. A, a the vulnerability. Yeah, 100%. Because otherwise they have this skewed version of what a husband's going to be to them. And, and I think that is causing an issue with some people. So what you're saying is anyone of my kids married, it's all downhill for them. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I, I hope not. <laughs> no, no I think that's, I think that's, I think, I think that's a fantastic way to put it. And if we just even just walk back to the values, you know, that's, that's something that um, I really did not have straight at that time. And, you know, Jeannie at that point, had five kids um, under five. Everybody was in diapers, and things were things were just going bananas. And like you say, there there's a time and a place for you to be vulnerable, and there are select few that um, that deserve your vulnerability. The people that are not going to use it against you, the people that are going to cherish it, and then you can. It, it doesn't make you any less uh, of a man to be vulnerable. Um, as long as you're giving it to the right people. And that's something that Jeannie and I found out. And, and like you say, being vulnerable, it, it takes communication and you need to be able to speak that. And it, Jeannie and I, after you know 12 years of, of working through these types of things, finally you know, headed in our 23rd year of marriage, we're understanding each other more. And some of those lessons that came along with that, when I just took a step back as I was I forgot I was also uh, gonna trying to be a pastor. Um, so yeah, so many things. You know, I had to take a step back and say, hey, you know, what uh, what do I always hear pastors and football coaches talk about? And it's, man, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. So that is that is something to me that is paramount. If you go back to the values, that's foundational. And then you talk about taking that and you know, kind of running it through the filter of when it's right and wrong, how does it line up with your values to know if you're, if I understand what you're saying, right, to know whether, you know, it, it was good or, or bad, or maybe you don't look at it that way, but just kind of comparing it and vetting it through your values. Um, so whether it's pass, fail, learn, whatever, you have something to look to and say, hey, I, you know, this is my foundation and this is the direction that I've gone based on my values. Well, the values too. I know Gina wants to talk about values too, but it's, it's important to know what they are. And that was new to me. I know it was new to Gino. Like we never really thought about what that meant, what was important in our lives, like how important it was. And, you know, I, I usually choose or tell people to choose like the five top values that they truly, you know, live by or want to live by. And so once you get them, like for instance, you know, um, integrity, um, family comes first, certain ones, then you have to ask yourself, okay, am I living according to them? And the funny thing is a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing it. You know, they say, okay, tell me how. Give yourself actual evidence that you are officially living according to them. What are you saying yes to? What are you saying no to? How are you making decisions? Because once you know your values, you know, I mean, even like who you want to hang out with, you want to, you want to hang out with people that are going to encourage you and are honest and are willing to um, support you in your marriage and your, and your family life. That's the, that's for me, huge. 
And so who am I saying yes to as, as far as friends coming over? Because a lot of times we know the values or, or maybe we don't, but now we just found them out and then we're not living according to them, but in our head we are. And so that's why I say, find evidence, show me, tell me about it. And then if you're not, okay, what are you going to do about it? What, what do you have to, you know, you look at your life, you look at your family life, your marriage, what do you have to start doing or what do you have to stop doing? And so we have to make some kind of plan if we want to be, you know, we say we want to be a better wife. What does that mean? You know, so what, what actual steps can you take to be better? What actual steps can you take to be more patient if that's what you're trying to do? And so we have to have a clear plan and actually follow that plan and take steps accordingly. Well, we know she, Julie has got to work on her patience because that's the first thing that popped up in her mind. She needs to be a little bit more patient with me, I guess, right? It's just subliminally. There's just so much, there's just so much patience that could happen. It just here. slipped, right? Yeah, Let's discuss the value of money because you know, we, we talk about financial intelligence. We talk about money and being an entrepreneur. I think everyone listening to this has to, has to have understand what, what's their relationship to money. For me, early on, I was always trying to make money, but why was I trying to make money? I didn't understand it. And, and I sort of was repelling money because on one, one instance in Catholicism, it's telling us that, you know, you, you can't go to heaven if you make all this money and you're not a good person. And on the other hand, I need money to be able to provide and support for my kids. And when I understood that money was just a tool. And I could use that tool for amazing things, whether I could buy myself things or I could donate that money to charity or do whatever I wanted to. It started changing the way I, I thought about money and the, and the way that I perceive business in and of itself. I wasn't chasing money in business. I was chasing opportunity and I was chasing value creation. And if you can chase opportunity and value creation, if you're a good football coach and you become a great football coach, you're just going to make more money. You're providing more value. If you're a, a good business person and you become a great business person, it's the same thing. You're creating more value. So when you start looking at it from that perspective, uh, the, you know, the opportunity, what, what money can do for you and looking at it as a tool and not just trying to accumulate it, for me, that changed everything. And it allowed me the opportunity to say, okay, it's okay for me to make a lot of money. It's not a bad thing. It depends. It just depends upon how I use it, what I do it for. And if that's not the only guiding principle uh, for me to go to work is just to make money. Cause the more money that I can make, the more impact that I can leave. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a fantastic um, articulation when it comes to money. And I know, I know that there is no, there's no limit to the amount of uh, knowledge that you have. What am I trying to say? You have, plenty of great wisdom when it comes to money and you know the barrel is deep it's full and i know that because one of the one of the podcasts this this might sound crazy but one of the podcasts that changed my life and this is recent is your podcast with jake and it was the one that had to do with uh, the dave ramsey uh lack approach to money um, and I, that it revolutionized my mind when it came to how I think about money, uh, because I, I had to come to terms with the idea that I'm afraid. I am afraid that I will not be able to take care of my family. And so it's about hoarding money and how can we hoard money? And then it puts a stress on my wife, on my kids. Every single thing becomes about money. But in that particular episode, you talked about the lack mindset and what that does for you. You talked about um, using money, like you said earlier, as a tool. And I was like, wait a minute. Hold on. I really have to get my head wrapped around um, this concept of money so that I can go out and use it as a tool. And like you say, even uh, chasing opportunity and creating value. It's so interesting that you said that because... In November of last year, I took another, I've been with uh, this company I work for going on 23 years, and I was in operations and management um, for about 15 of those years, and I didn't want to go back into sales for two reasons, as we're talking about vulnerability. Um, one was because I felt there was something dirty about the sales side, and two, I was afraid to be evaluated. Even though I was running my own location, I was being evaluated anyway. But really, when you're in sales and they put you in front of the room, they're evaluating you. And so I wanted to conquer that fear. And then 
just to kind of bring this home, just to tell you where you are um, in my mind as far as, you know, the, the wisdom you have to share is that I had to come to terms with I'm not there to sell somebody something. I am there to create opportunities. You said it yourself and it's like, oh man, if you're this far ahead of me, um, I must be getting some kind of the, the stardust coming off you because I'm, I'm getting that and then creating value. And that's something that I love to do. And like you say, if you're doing those things and you're doing those things as a football coach, you're going to make a lot more money um, because you're, you're actively doing um, according to what your values are. And I would say those things um, are a family value for the Barbaros. Money is a result, number one. And I think number two, for me, profit is, 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 not, is, is, not, is the fuel. It's not the destination. So if we're always looking at profit as just, hey, that's where I want to end up, that's not how we use money here. We're trying to use it as the fuel to be able to get us somewhere. And I think if you're just focused just on profits, that, that's really a short-term mindset. And you were talking about that scarcity, that scarcity mindset is so important. And if you're the type of person who just wants to save money and save money and hoard money and looking for a rainy day, well, the rainy day is eventually going to come because you're looking for it. And number two, you have that pile of money to retire – you're probably not going to touch that money when you retire because you've lived in a, in, a, in a life of scarcity. You don't want to tap into that money because you're afraid that that money will eventually run out. So you're, it's a really weird thing. We all know the millionaires who, who passed away with $7 million in the bank and you didn't even know that they had that. What kind of life was that to save up all that money and, and not be able to use it, not be able to enjoy that and not be able to gift it over and share it with others? I just think people have to understand the relationship they have with money and that scarcity mindset versus the abundance mindset. We can change that. Dave Ramsey has a lot of amazing things that he teaches people. I just think mm -hmm. at, certain, at a certain point, it stops. And, and I think uh, the way the economy shifted right now with debt and with inflation, if you're paying down all your debt, you have zero debt, that's not a really wise plan. That's not a rule of money. 1971, I'll give everyone a quick history lesson. We got off the gold standard. So what did end up happening? I mean, basically, it's a fiat currency. It's not backed by anything. So what happens is debtors are winner. People who have who have debt are winning. People who are saving are losing. And that's happened since the last 50 years. And anyone who's creating debt wisely and using it as a tool to build their business or to buy real estate, they're the ones who have actually won over the last 40 or 50 years. That's just one of the rules of money. I didn't make it up. I just learned the rule, and I'm trying to follow that rule. So go out there, find that in people who are, who are espousing great financial uh, intelligence and, and, you know, following his rules, success leaves clues and just find the people who you want to follow and mirror and you'll find them out there. Yeah. One of the biggest, um, I guess, issues married, married people have bringing it back to marriage is money. You know, mm. husband's working, the wife wants more, the husband's working, you know what I mean? And, and it's always a constant disagreement, argument, whatever you have. And my background was, you know, without saying it out loud, this is just what I grew up with. Not, not that they told me this, but this is just what I noticed is that you just make enough to survive. You just make enough mm -hmm. to pay the bills and that's it. And so that's, so, so marrying my husband is very different because now all of a sudden he's this entrepreneur making money. And at one point I had to think, my gosh, is this wrong for us to be making money? Is this wrong? And so he had to actually step in and say, okay, Julie, we, we have to talk about what this means. And he'd use the word financial freedom. And, you know, he, he, he would use that word a lot with his community. And I would hear him talk. I would, he would give talks on it. He would do podcasts that I would, you know, record him talking about financial. And I, and it never, I never, it never clicked what that meant. And so it was until we moved to Florida away from everyone and we were by ourselves here in Florida, like our whole family was up North in, in New York and he said, listen, financial freedom means that we could bring your mom down to Florida, that we could have the kids come down, their friends come down and visit with us like on our, our treat, you know, that we could, we could do amazing things for people that we've been dying to help out for years that we just, you know, we, we just made money to live and, you know, we didn't have extra. And so as I was experiencing it, then I was like, oh, now I understand what that meant. You know, obviously, you know, you know, money just brings out the real you. So I usually say to people, you know, if you're a jerk to begin with, you're going to be a jerk with money in the end, if you make money. So it just brings out whether you're going to be charitable or not. And so we're afraid to make money because we don't want to change our personality. We don't want to become something that we don't like. 
And that has nothing to do with money. That's you. It's, it's your development. It's your, it's your personal development in life is how do you want to become? And then extra, make money. You know, that's just an add-on. That's just a benefit in a sense. And that's how I think of it now. It's very different. So I don't look at it as let's just make enough and then sabotage whatever you're trying to do because you shouldn't make right. too much. I look at it. It's like, okay, now what can we do? Like we have this extra money. What can we do? That's just amazing and good. And three most expensive words in the English language for Gino is I was thinking when I hear those words from my wife, I know the checkbook's coming out and she's got these amazing ideas and it's okay. It's, it's, it's good that problem. she can do that. I have these ideas. Sometimes. I was thinking they, they cost money, but they're always their they're, they're intentions. Are so good. <laughs> they're great. But Nothing one, about us, one but... last point about what Julie's talking about, because this is very important. What she described right there is something called the subconscious baseline. And what happens is we go to a certain level. And we, we achieve it, whatever it may be in life. Let's say I hit a certain income level when I was at the restaurant. And, and subconsciously, if I went above that, I would self-sabotage myself. And I'd go back right down to the baseline, to where I was. And until I broke that cycle and I got in partnership with Jake and I started buying multifamily assets. And I started refinancing these assets. And I said to myself, I'm getting good at this. I wasn't sabotaging myself. Subconsciously, things changed for me. So for everybody listening to this, are you doing that to yourself? I mean, a lot of us do that. A lot of us, for whatever reason, we may not think we're worth it. We may think that money is evil. We may have been taught certain rules or lessons that just aren't true, but we believe them to be true. Mark Twain says it best. It's not what you don't know that's going to get you in trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. And sometimes we have to really <laughs> challenge our thoughts and our beliefs. I does money it. grow on trees? Money doesn't. Money does grow on trees. Money's paper. I mean, there's more money circulating in in this in the system in a day that you could possibly. Imagine. We've printed 25 percent of the world's currency in the U.S. in the last three years alone. So don't tell me that money's not around. So just understand that we are our best saboteurs. And I did that for many, many years, not having the time to go away on the weekends because I was working at the restaurant. Oh, I can't go to this event because I have to work at the restaurant. That was me telling myself that, you know what? I have to stay here. I can't go and prove myself. I can't better myself because I may fail. So let me stay comfortable. Let me continue to do what I'm doing. And that, that, was, that was a big one for me. There's a community member in Jake and Gino community, and she is investing in real estate. She's you know amazing woman. Uh, she wanted to get into real estate and buy multifamily apartments because she wanted to make enough money to help her family back in Mexico. She has, you know, parents there. She has siblings. She has um, nieces and nephews. And that's what her desire was. I want to help my family. So she would buy real estate. She started um, earning money. Uh, and then all of a sudden, after a couple of years, she realized you know, a deal would come. She's like, I don't know if I want to take that deal. I don't know. You know, and, and it was kind of like, what was going on? And she has a life coach that she was talking with. And he said, well, what is it? Like, what do you think is happening? And she's like, well, I mean, as of right now, I could help them right now. I, I, I have enough money to help my family right now. And he said, well, is that, was that your goal? And she's like, that was my goal to help my family. And I could do it now. And he's like, well, do you think you're sabotaging your, your, next deal to make more money to, you know what I mean? And she was. And the second she realized that she changed her goal from helping the family members in Mexico to helping as many families as she could. And right after that, all of a sudden she was finding deals and actually buying property. And so it was interesting, that little bit of a shift from, you know, you have a, a goal. I want to make money, enough money to, to help these people. Now I'm there. And now you're just going to stay where you are. So if you just change, shift the goal to a little bit bigger, now you can, oh my gosh, now she's helping so many other people that she hardly even knows, and it's incredible. And so that's my point, is a lot of times we think we have a goal, and it's good, but we have to be open to change in, in a sense, because we can do so much if we make more. Oh my gosh, like I, I'm, I'm sometimes I get overwhelmed by the amount of people that we're able to help. Right. And so it was a big mind shift. The, the whole money thing conversation is huge for me, coming from my Irish background. <laughs> yeah, that must be an Irish thing because I it come is. from a. <laughs> I come, and that's funny because Jeannie is a Rosati, so she comes from the Italian side. There you go. And uh, I'm a Moranch, and, and I come from uh, the Irish side. So yeah. it's maybe that's part Irish of what skills. we haven't. That's hey, what Jeannie. we haven't understood about us. Mm -hmm. 
There's only two kinds of people, Italians oh, and people who wish God. they were Italians. So at least 50% of this, this podcast is, is like on Who said it's a joke? We've been married 24 years, so I guess since I met you. 25 years, years, yes, that's okay. Yeah. Never gets Even old, my friends. Never old gets for old. Some. Old for some. You laugh just as hard as when you tell. I love it. It just makes me laugh because it's so not true. That's why. It is still funny, and uh, <laughs> and I'm good for it. I mean, that might be a Mark Twain moment, um, right there in itself. Uh, honey, is there anything you want to talk about um, when it comes relative to money? And you know, just I don't. If you want to unload on our guest about how much you hate the way that I am about money, I'm okay. I'm okay with that vulnerability because. <laughs> Um, I'm on a, I'm on a new path. And, and before we are done with this conversation, I really want to talk about multifamilies. Um, and if you're a guy like me, if you're a knucklehead like me, um, what does the Barbaro family say? Where should you start, uh, to get a new relationship with money? So honey, I'm going to open the floor to you. Um, and just so you have your opportunity to talk. Well, I think my biggest question, and it's something that, um, We've kind of had in, in some of our guests asking us, and, and us too, Julia, you were raising the kids while Gina was taking care of the family. Were you working another job while raising the kids, or did you not work until later? Like, no, you I didn't become an entrepreneur and all that until later, correct? Yeah, no, I, I actually I make a joke with the kids that, I, that I'm still not working. I, I don't have any income. <laughs> I understand <laughs> And my kids sometimes that. feel bad because I have the little one who tells me I'd be a great cleaning lady if I wanted it. You know, they feel like I can't find a job. <laughs> I was told that I could be a, a private chef if I wanted to. So, I, yeah. Um, I always tell I my kids they could always pay me to be the chauffeur. That would be <laughs> great. I mean, you might as well put a little bit in the gas well, tank. It's, it's funny because I ask the kids for money. And, and I mean, because they have cash and I don't. And uh-huh. so I'm like, oh, I just need to borrow. And it, so it's, it's kind of a, it's, it's an interesting banking thing in our house. Well, I know. Yeah. One of the things that we run across, and I'm do I'm dealing with this now because before we moved, we both had income, mm-hmm. and when we moved, we chose to give up my income. Right. And so when we got here, I haven't been in that place in a long time where he was the sole provider. Mm-hmm. You know, taking care of the kids and him being the sole provider was never an issue for us until I had income and then I didn't, and now it's like, okay, well, how do you approach? another wife who's struggling with, I, I'm not contributing financially. So maybe they don't feel like they have a say in things, or maybe they feel like, you know, if I'm spending all the money and he's working so hard to make it, I'm creating the debt or I'm creating the issues. How do you balance that? Because I don't have answers for people because I'm just now sitting in this boat again. Yeah. And it's like, I have no clue. Cause I struggle all the time with, if I could just go back to making a little bit to help out, but I'm really not in a position to do that yet yeah. with, you know, moving and trying to get everybody settled and everything. Yeah, that's a, an excellent question. And I, to be honest, I've never been asked before. So thank you for that. It, it was interesting that my husband just yesterday and I, we had this conversation, which I don't even know if we ever talked about, but early on in our marriage, you know, I was a stay at home mom, hundred percent. He worked and he had this box because it was early on in what year in the, 90s, the 90s. Where, where cash was a thing and so we had this we had this shoebox in our closet with cash that i would get to go grocery shopping or whatever you know whatever whatever things mm-hmm. i had to do and we had envelopes there you go okay <laughs> and the thing is when that other person is not there and you're shopping it's like oh my gosh you spend how much and that went on for quite a some time and I'm going to say years and i don't and yeah. i and i remember it being like oh my gosh and you know counting and i, I noticed with with cash, it was you would spend less because you would be counting. I only have this amount of money. I didn't have a credit card. You know, I did, but it, I wasn't using it. And it was a stress and it was a constant stress of, yes, this is Gino's money, you know, because we we're coming into a marriage. We we're just having children. And in my head, I, I wasn't I wasn't giving anything to the family. I wasn't offering any money. So, I, you know what I mean? And there was that separation. And I think over years, you have to grow into that relationship together. Um, because it got, I got to the point where I thought, my gosh, not that he was complaining, but he was questioning all the, the financial with whether it was kids clothes or with their shoes or their activities or the grocery. And I said, why don't you go with us to go grocery shopping? Why don't you take the kids? Cause they love going grocery shopping. That was like their fun thing or take the kids uh-huh. to the mall. And, 
And he would come home and he would spend double what I would spend. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second, what's going on? Oh, these are great deals. And he's, he loves shopping. So I have to give him that. <laughs> like, oh, so you, but you bought all this stuff. And that was, so that was an, the opening to our conversation. I have to tell you, it went on to, I, I wish I would have had done that earlier. But it was almost as if I had to show, hey, by the way, here's what things cost. Here's how much our children eat. Because we eat, we're Italian. I mean, the kids are Italian. So we eat quite often and we homeschool. So it's I understand completely. <laughs> and so it was almost as if it wasn't me talking to him and saying, here's how, how everything costs. He had to actually experience it and go out and spend, go out with the kids and see what they, and see all the exciting things that they could buy. So it, it, and then after that, there was conversation. But so I'm just the opposite. many, many, many years that it took because a lot of us just want to fix all the problems right away. We have to go through hard times. We have to go through difficulties with our spouse in order to get to where we are and to have the experience and the knowledge and the wisdom. We have to go through those times. And a lot of times we try to avoid them, but just lean into them. Yeah, but Jeannie, on the flip side, I'll just answer real quick also. I wasn't a big spender as far as toys. I didn't have boats. I didn't have cars. I didn't have guns. I didn't have any of that stuff. I was really trying to save money to invest in future deals. That was my focus early on because when you're in the restaurant business, there's some months you don't get paid and some months you do really well. And I always yeah. had a scarcity mindset. I need to put money aside for the rainy day. And I was I was really trying to in, invest in deals to get to where we are right now. So, so for me, that, that was part of the problem. I, I would be like, Really? Yeah, spend this kind of this much money. And I was really trying to be tight. I wasn't I wasn't being judgmental on her. I was just trying to cut the budget. And I think if you if as couples just sit down and create a budget and rather just a budget, but a spending plan. Because a budget may sound restrictive, but nowadays it's a lot I feel sorry for the couples that are starting out nowadays. It's so easy to spend money. You have Netflix, you have Hulu, you have Spotify, you, you have Ring, you have Adobe, you have Am you have so many places to spend mm -hmm. money. Whereas when we got married, we had a cable bill and we had a home phone bill. We had so a cable bill, but we were stealing it from your mom upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> so we didn't have that much spending. So it was a totally different environment. I, I think as you get together as a couple, I mean, I think there should be one bank account, one savings account. You're married. You're, you're together. It, it right. should be it should be just totally together. And you should you should share in that. And it's not mine or hers. I'm making the money not for me. I'm making the money for the family. For us. And, right. you know, now it's all there. I was just trying to think at that time to have the scarcity to be able to save that money and invest it in assets. That was my mindset. And I don't think Julia understood that. And like, what are you you're saving this to do what? And how, how are we going to make money? So maybe I didn't, I didn't explain it to her as well as I should have. But get out there. Create a spending plan for yourselves. Also, don't even think about what you're just trying to uh, save or trying as far as trying to cut for expenses. How are you? How are you as a husband or a wife? If one of you is working, where's your income? How much? Where can you go and try to earn more money on top of that as well? And then where can you cut off certain other things? And there's a law called Parkinson's law, and that's what most of us do really well. As we earn more money, we think that we deserve to live a better lifestyle. And I, I didn't get caught up in that. And that's what, I guess, saved me to become financially free. But just because we get a raise doesn't mean we need to get a nicer car or we need to get right. a, a, a nicer house. Just be wary of as you're getting those incremental raises, try to put some of that money on the side. Try to pretend as if you're living the same lifestyle because if you can do that for the next five to ten years, when you have that money saved up and you have assets that are creating money for you, you don't have yeah. to worry about it. One of the things, though, Gino, when it comes to money and couples is that we do have different backgrounds, first of all. And I think Philip McKernan is amazing. If you don't know who he is, please check him out because he, um, he what is he, a, a speaker? He, he's a speaker, life coach. He's just, he does he's a lot awesome. of work with married couples. And he just talks about learn about your spouse's background, like for real. Because a lot of us are coming from a place that the other person is, does not understand. We, we will never under, I will never understand Juno's background with finances, with how his, his relationships were with his family. Even though I know them, even though I know him so well, I never will understand it. And that's something to remember. So he doesn't understand my background when it comes to the fear of money or any of that stuff. And so to really sit there and just hear what our spouse is talking about is where they're coming from. I, I think that's, that's huge. And we don't take the time to do it. Um, and sometimes we're married for so long. It's like, oh, well, that was so long ago. We don't really need to talk about it. But no, it, it, it shaped us to where, where we are right now. So it's very important we talk about that. But when it comes to the conversation with money with our spouse, we, 
we, we talk about what, well, this is what I want. I want to spend more money. You know, I want to be able to go out and, you know, a lot of times what we're doing is we like, just like Gino said, when we make more money, we feel like we deserve more. And I think that's sometimes, and you could think, think of this with children is that it's just a lack of, I'm going to say, um, nurturing with each other. Sometimes, you know, I, this is, I'm going to just reveal something true. Sometimes when Gino would go on a business trip for the weekend, I'd be irritated that he, you know, too many days or whatever, I'm going to go spend money just to spite him, let's say. And a lot of people do that. And, and I wonder if, you know, husbands out there, maybe you need to spend more time with your wife, just one-on-one, -on -one, because all we really want is to be loved and nurtured. Stuff doesn't make us happy. You know, five love languages is all good with, you know, gifts and all that but we truly, really just want to be loved. And I think sometimes that's missing in a marriage. So therefore we want to go buy stuff to feel that we're valued. So I think that's a big part of it. And, and I think we can't, we have to look at that sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a ton to un, unpack there. And um, I'm excited to go back and listen to this episode because of what we're discussing and, and the things that that I'm going to learn because, you know, for, I know that Jeannie talks about, and we've talked about this on the podcast, so it's nothing, it's nothing new. She talks about, you know, we're in California. Um, I don't know if you told them how, you know, how we made the income or whatnot, but mm -mm. moving from, moving from California to Texas, we left behind a lot of money, a lot of money because the state gives you aid to take care of your disabled kids. And so we, you know, we were quite comfortable, but I couldn't, it was so hard for me to stomach taking that money. I want to be a contributor. Um, and California just being more and more California, we, uh, we had to leave <laughs> and come to Texas and really just bet on the Moran family and what we can do to go out and, and to become successful as Jeannie is, is working to be an author um, and I'm working, you know, towards creating an, an opportunity for me to go out and start speaking to husbands, etc. And I've never looked at it really as I make this money. So, you know, I'm in charge of the money. Like you said, Gino, I make the money for us. It's for mm -hmm. the family. And I'm, I'm, a, I don't know what it is about me, but I can be very, very rigid when it comes to the budget that we've set because I've dialed it in on an Excel spreadsheet, uh, you know, paid us first, make, always put aside money to give so that we can sow into people, um, you know, but with, with life and things come up and, you know, medical bills and medical debt, et cetera, you know, it, uh, I can clearly see where I've allowed the fear of that, you know, that scarcity mindset or we went through so many years of emergencies coming and like I tell you it's the medical bills for brain surgery etc you know it's just I want to be prepared for all of those things but you know when they talk about um, strength overextended becomes a weakness I have I do have a strength of being rigid uh, in a good way when it comes to like my health now whereas opposed you know before I didn't when it comes to money so that I can save and prepare for the family um, but it just goes too far at some point, and it puts it has put over the years angst between Jeannie and I. Um, but I've never I, I don't look at it as well. I'm making this money, so you need to tell me what you're doing. I look I I go hey we have a budget stay on budget, and so it's like send me to the grocery store, and I'm I'm so rigid I come back on budget. <laughs> he does, but then you come back and I don't have half the crap I need to make right. a week's worth of meals. But there's a budget. This I think the 99 cent season, you're like, garbage in, garbage out. If you put okay, garbage look. in your Excel spreadsheet budget, that's what it's going to come out, right? <laughs> fresh basil or bottled basil? You answer oh, the question. Okay. okay, there's a difference. <laughs> but I'm just saying, he it, it wasn't that I hated the budget. It was every time I'd go to the grocery store and, and I would see the receipt was going over the amount that he wanted me to spend, I felt so guilty and so bad because I knew he's going to be frustrated. He's going to be upset. And I'm going to have to answer for this. And not that I'm going to be in trouble for it, but I hate when he gets upset over money. And I can't fix that. You know, you that's the hardest part of our budget is with groceries because the price of food and, and fuel too. It goes up and it comes down. And there are some months that I can do really, really well. And there are some months where it's just like, 
dude, it, it doesn't matter how I try. I'm not able to cut corners on this. And we could go to some of the, the cheaper stores and things, but I just, now I'm wasting fuel because I'm driving to five or six different places Mm-hmm. To go get a better price on meat, but mm-hmm. why am I spending two gallons of gas, which is still costing me eight bucks, right. to turn around? And you know what I'm saying? It just it mm-hmm. didn't make any sense. But it got to a point where I felt bad every time I was spending money in the grocery store, and my girls would watch me and go, "Mom, what's wrong?" It's like, nothing. I'll we'll deal with it when I get home. Sure. And then they got to where they would stop asking me for things that they needed. Because, well, if we can't afford it, that when, when my youngest one came back and said, it's okay, if you can't afford it, don't worry about it, I don't need it. Mm-hmm. It's like when your 14-year-old kid catches on that that's where your mind goes, that hurts. And then all I of a never, sudden- I never you, want to have to tell him no, you know? You've mm-hmm. created that for her now. Now her paradigm right. of money is that blueprint. So Quincy, you're, you're screwing up like I was. Huh, my friend? It's time to wake up and smell the coffee and figure out that we can't be like that. Well, and- I, I, my question, I'm sorry for cutting off. You can talk in a second. My, cause, because that was back then as well. When you have a budget, where are you getting that budget number from? Because a lot of times, like the price of food did go up. It did go up. There's nothing, we can't change it. We can't buy less food because of it. We have to, you know what I mean? Obviously you have a family to feed. Same with us. And so you have, that's why I brought Gino along. And that's what I'm trying to say. So it was helpful for our relationship. I didn't realize it at the time as how, how helpful it was that he actually literally went grocery shopping with us. Here's, yep. where, here's what we're going grocery shopping. Here's what you, I mean, obviously, you know what, what we, what we cook. And now you could see the price together with me. And I, that was a huge help. Is that because when you see the receipt compared to when you're at the store, everything's checking out, it's different. You're experiencing it with us. And I think that's that was really helpful for us. I don't mm-hmm. think I don't know if you even noticed that. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> it's huge for me. He doesn't suck it into it. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> but see, Gino would go shopping and you said he likes to shop, so he would spend the money and he would buy the extra things. Quincy will go shopping with the kids and be like, Yeah, but do you really need that? Right. I mean, really, do we sure. need that? Can we not find one cheaper at like a five below? Sure. That's that was yeah. the, the way that things would go on this side. So it's it's been an adjustment for us. So what yeah, you do is you all go together. I mean that. So you go with your husband together, and you know, uh, for me it was hard because we would go to Trader Joe's, and I mean we'd pack up that grocery cart once a week. They always say, "You guys having a cookout?" No, we're not having a cookout. We're really just <laughs> that's us in Costco. Yeah. Yes, that's us. We went to Costco yesterday. Mm-hmm. We're shocked at the bill for Costco. Same thing. But it's one of those things that um, our food bill is the biggest. I mean, like, I don't know, at some point we're like between three and four grand a month on food. And, yeah. and, and we, yeah. cook, we cook three to four meals a day, you know, three meals a day. Uh, we, we, re- we used to rarely go out to restaurants. Now we go out a little bit more. But it, it's a challenge. And uh, there's not much you can do on that front. So what I'd have to do is I'd cut out a lot of other things. Like I cut out all those subscriptions. I mean, I remember the cell phone bill. I cut it down to a bare minimum. But what if I you're mean, not on just... the same page, like Jeannie's saying? Because that's really, that's a lot of couples is that, you know, you have you, Gino, and So it comes saying, back to hey, values. You, you, but even let's say the kids need something and it's, you know, you could go somewhere and save $5. Do you know what I mean? And I, I think that's something a lot of people are, are, are in that situation where you have, you know, us ladies who are like, we need to buy groceries. Here it is. That's too much. Well, what is too much? Like, What's the conversation that you would have? What's the solution? Make more money. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that that's a that is the solution. I, and I I gotta say, you know, where my paradigm started to shift, it was a few years ago. So um, I'm a lot farther ahead on the road to recovery. And like you say, Gino, you, you know, not only are you screwed up, but you're screwing up your kids. So why don't you cut that crap out? Um, I've had to go through this because I'm really big on family meetings and sitting the family down and talking through these situations. So they know that I'm not perfect and that mom and I are not perfect. And here's what we're working through. And one of those conversations was about, you know, I think it was last year sometime. It was about inflation. Here I am getting frustrated about us going over the budget. But then you have to take a step back and look and say, well, look how much inflation is. And it's, oh, my goodness. Now, if we're wasting a lot of food, then I have a problem. But if if we're going and Jeannie's getting what we need, things Things just have to be different because I came to the realization it took me a few years, but it's like she's not trying to hurt us. She's trying to help us. And I think it was early last year when this particular mindset shifted in me. It's like you need to stop putting so much weight on her shoulders 
she's doing this for the good of the family. So how, mm-hmm. how is this helping her um, if you're constantly having this kind of a mindset? And it's um, now it's like if the kids need shoes or something, it's like, well, let's pay more for what's good because it's going to last as opposed to just investing in something cheap that we're going to have to buy more of. And that's kind of my, my mindset now. I still vet things on if we if we do need them, but then I talk to family through the process of, okay, here's where this is. Yes, we can do this part, or no, we can't do this part right now. Um, and I, fortunately, I, I had some skill in it. I, I don't have a college degree, but, you know, the company I work for, you know, I earned my way up to run a multi-million dollar location for, for four years, and it was successful. So I kind of took that and applied it to home. I mean, we made a lot more money where I worked than I did at home, obviously. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you can kind of scale that. So it's been a it's been a road for me um, as I kind of transform my mind in the way I think about money. Um, and I got to tell you, I know that that episode with uh, Jake and Gino was, was recent when it comes to the Dave Ramsey piece. He does have a lot of great value that he presents, but... Having a scarcity mindset, um, it it can it can really do some damage to your relationship, and then you're going to create however many children you have. It's a good chance you're going to create scarcity mm-hmm. within them, and it's that's not the legacy that I want to leave. the mm-hmm. The legacy I want to leave is there is abundance, there is enough, and a, a mindset that I've developed recently is don't get mad, just get better. And that's what, that's where I'm, I'm looking towards no matter what it, what it is, whether it's with this podcast and getting frustrated with the computer, whether it's money and not knowing, you know, um, not having enough for A, B or C, it's like, okay, Quincy, don't get mad because getting mad is not going to help the situation. Get better and find a way to get better. And I utilize podcasts to do that. Um, It's our own therapy. Yeah. No, I, I think what is uh, important because we, m- both of us actually, um, Jeannie and I both said something similar is that we would go to the grocery store, wherever it is, see the receipt and actually physically get worried and scared. Like, oh my gosh, my husband's going to be upset. And that's not a good, that's not good. That's not right. a good, that's not a good marriage in a sense because it's not healthy, to be afraid, right. it's not healthy. And so I, I think what is a good solution and, you know, we've, we've had it in the past is a true sit down talking about it and say, here, this is what, I, when I go to the store, I'm actually afraid to show you the receipt because I think, you know, if it's my husband needed to know that. And a lot of times I didn't tell him, I just was afraid and I just was afraid to show him or, you know what I mean? And so it's okay to say, listen, I go and I'm afraid. I don't know what to do. Can we talk about it? Because we need to be honest with them and say, Absolutely. you know, I, I, I want you to trust that I'm only buying what we need. I want you to trust that I'm only going to now. There are some women that I do know that are crazy spenders and their husbands literally can't even tell them what they make because, and that is real. Okay. So that's something is the question you have to, if you're one of those women, you have to say, okay, is that how I want to be? Don't I want to be honest with my husband and I want to be a trustworthy person and, and a responsible person. But if you're like Gina and I, you know, talk to your husband, say, I'm, I'm worried. What can we do about it? And then husband's, you know, trust us, trust that we're doing what we can, what we know, we know how much our kids eat, we know what they need. Um, and, and I think it's important that you truly do trust us and let us know that. Because we need to hear that too. We need the other side to say, hey, I trust you, you're doing a great job. Because I think we get caught up in that's too much, stop spending, you know, like those little, those little twerks that you give me. <laughs> so I think that's important. It just like goes back to communication, but being truthful. Yeah. I completely agree. And now, um, whenever there's something that we need, whether it's for the household or for a family meal, like a celebration wise or whatever, um, I make sure that I send Jeannie and I I was bragging to her dad the other day when they were here visiting. I said, if you, if you want to get what it is you need and be well taken care of and, and Jeannie's mother is the same way. I said, send Jeannie. Cause she's, she's not going to be like me, which I'm there shopping on a budget. She's there to take yeah. care of you. And she is an expert at it. She is fantastic at it. Um, we had a, a flooding situation in this house and, uh, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, honey, 
please just get what we need. I gave her a rough sketch of, of the things that we need. And of course she went above and beyond. Um, I had an idea in mind about what that would cost and she basically spent it right to the penny. I didn't communicate that with her, but she went and she got mm -hmm. what we needed. And I think one of those things is like, certainly rely on your spouse um, for what their strength is. And that goes a long way um, when it comes to building your relationship. And, you know, um, I'll just throw this in there. And, you know, if you're listening to the podcast right now and you're like, oh, I want what uh, I want what Gino and Julia have, or I want what Quincy and I want to find that kind of love or that kind of relationship. Let me tell you, you're not going to find that. It's actually built. It's something you foster. It's something you create. It's something that you put time and effort in blood, sweat, and tears into, because um, what you hear now is not something that happened overnight. It's something that's happened over the course of nearly a quarter of a century for us both. So keep that in mind. And, you know, when you're, when you're listening to this podcast, or maybe you're making notes, um, do these things with an open heart, you know, guys, with, with your wife in mind. And maybe you are Quincy Moran, and you go out there and you bellyache and, you know, make people feel horrible about their decisions when they're just trying to help your family. So if that's the case, you know, um, say your apologies because I've had to come, you know, humbled and apologize and, and make sure that I, that I help to address the wounds that I've created over the past 20 something years. And it's not Jeannie's fault that I'm afraid. So I shouldn't be taking that out on her. Uh, and I, I really appreciate you guys for opening up, you know, what goes on in your relationship and what's made you successful when it comes to money, even listening to our part and then offering us suggestions as well. And like I said before, I want to make sure before this podcast is over that I give you the floor to talk about multifamilies because that's that's a part of my quest of not getting mad, but getting better. And I and I. I'm excited to hear what you have to say about it um, and, and to become a part of the family. Real quick to, I guess, to end the podcast with multifamily, I think just that the mindset of the poor versus the middle class versus the wealthy mindset, the middle class mindset is, is really incumbent upon saving for an event. I'm going to save for my retirement. I'm going to save for college. I'm going to save for a rainy day. Whereas the wealthy mindset says, I'm, to, I'm going to save for an asset to pay for that event. And when I bought my first multifamily deal with Jake back in 2013, I didn't know I was on that quest. I bought that first asset. I had saved the money to buy the asset. I still own that asset nine years later. Uh, that asset's producing about $9,000 a month in positive cash flow. I own a third of it. I'm getting around $3,000 a month from that one asset. That one asset has put my first daughter through college. My second son is going through college. I still own the asset. It's still appreciating. It's still paying me cash flow every month. And it's giving me tax benefits. And I think if I had saved the money in for college, it would have been gone. It would have been depleted. And I think that's what multifamily and any, any kind of real estate allows us to do. I don't want to save anymore just for an event. I want to save to buy that asset. And multifamily is... One of those things that we, you know, we say in life, it's a basic human need. It's food, it's clothing, and we like to say it's apartments. I mean, the whole demographic shift right now of people just like yourself, Quincy, leaving California and going to Texas. Well, a lot of those people, they don't buy a home right away. They need to rent. So you have a mm -hmm. lot of that going on. You have a lot of people downsizing. You know, every, every day, there's 10,000 people turning the age of 65. There's so mm -hmm. many baby boomers that are starting to retire they're downsizing. They don't want to own homes. They want to rent. We have a lot of millennials that are starting to, you know, create families at a later date. They're getting married later and they're starting families later. Those people buy homes. So guess what? The millennials are buying homes at a later date. A lot of them can't afford homes because of the student debt crisis and everything else. So they're renting as well. So for me, I'm bullish on, on multifamily. I'm bullish on real estate in particular. And I want everyone to just not look in the short term right now because everyone's freaking out about interest rates and what's going to happen with real estate. It's called the market cycle. You need to understand how to invest in a typical market cycle right now. Prices are going to, are going to drop. You know, 
you know, they're trying to change the definition of what a recession is. It's two, ne- two negative quarters of GDP growth, basically. We've, we're, we've had that. They're trying to still take a poll on whether or not we're in a recession. Well, when interest rates go up, traditionally, the last seven or eight recessions, that signal that they're trying to slow the economy down and put it into a recession. So we're already in a recession because in inflation, money's been printed. It's out there. Prices are rising. So they're raising interest rates. So rates are up right now. We're going to go into a recession. That doesn't mean that you know people are going to stop buying real estate. You just have to know what kind of real estate to buy right now. There's opportunities being created right now. You just have to learn the opportunities that are out there right now. Different, different strategies on how to finance them. Now there's seller financing, a strategy that people are using with no money down or using other people's money. So just learning all those different strategies in, in this part of the cycle is important. And what you said, Quincy, is important. You know, you want to get better. Don't get mad. I got mad years ago until I read the book by T. Har Harvecker back in 2008, The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. I just need to become more responsible. And when you become more responsible, you educate yourself. You learn how to invest better. You become a better investor. The fear never goes away. I, my, that, that scared never goes away. I, I can still tame it. I still get that feeling, but I know how to react and I know what kind of assets to buy in this part of the cycle. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it sure does. And we're actually one of those people that um, we knew that the price of housing was ludicrous. So we took advantage of it on one side of the market and then came to Texas. And, uh, you know, fortunately, we're able to save up uh, enough money for one year um, for rent because we That's were awesome. anticipating. Yeah, it was it was great. Um, so we're anticipating the market's going to go down. Um and if you know if things don't go that way, or it takes a little bit of, a little bit more time, hopefully you know we can work through that. But I, part of my getting better is understanding more about what multifamilies has to offer, um, and opening that up to my to my audience as well. So I'm gonna I'm certainly gonna put that link, the link to your podcast, the link to your website, um, because I I if I'm getting better, those people who are willing, everybody's not gonna get better. You know what I'm saying? It's just the people who are willing that you want to invest your time and effort into. So I'm going to put it there um, so that my audience can take a look at that. And, and should they choose to get better, uh, take advantage of what you know what it is the opportunity that y'all are providing. And I mean, how could they how could they not want to do that uh, after getting to spend an hour with yourself, the G Daddy, and Julia? Um, and getting to know more about your family because I, you're authentic human beings. You're good human beings, and you are looking to make create opportunities for those of us out here um, who haven't necessarily started on that particular path yet. Mm-hmm. So I really, really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you, thank you both for doing your podcasts. Um, it's definitely, definitely been a help to me. And I'm, I'm not underselling you when I say it was a, it was a radical mind shift for me. Um, money's the tool, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I, I'm sick and tired of, of, of having the outlook of fear, um, navigate myself and money and what I do, um, when, when it comes to my lifestyle. So, um, I certainly appreciate you both. Is there any, any parting words as we get ready to close this out? Well, my wife's looking at me well, to say I'm, something I first. I'll let something. her say I, first. I was going to ask if it's okay if I say something nice about you. <laughs> you <laughs> well, may, I, maybe you should hit the stop the record I, button right now. So I don't know well, what's no, going to come I, out of her mouth right now. It's funny because a lot of people, you know, they work with their spouse or whatever. Maybe they don't. They don't want to. And the reason why I do, I want to just make this clear, is that I saw the impact my husband had on so many people. I saw the sacrifice that he had to, you know, invest in people that just wanted to make a better living for themselves through Jake and Gino. You know, I, I, I the, he created, like he really, I mean, unbelievable him and Jake created this community of truly like-minded people that are really in it for each other. Like they're, they're all, they're not selfish and trying to, you know, cut everyone else out of the deals. And so my husband is when, you know, when people join the Jake and Gino community, it's not just, here's how you do real estate. They literally walk you through everything. They teach you how to buy, how to manage, how to, how to finance right, all this property. You have private coaching. I mean, they do not leave you alone. <laughs> Sometimes they, I think they hear my husband's voice more than I do. <laughs> but I, I just want to put that out there because that's why I work with him, with the company. You know, I, I could have an easy life-ish, you know, easier life, I should say, just hanging out with the kids and, and focusing just primarily, primarily on them only. 
but I, I, I see the impact he has and I want to be part of that. Mm-hmm. And I, and I have such confidence in him and what he created is, and that's what I want to just share with everybody is, you know, he's so giving and loving and, you know, as you call him, whatever you call them. That's I, not I don't, what you, that's I don't not what you said a few nights ago, yeah. but that's great. <laughs> no, you but it's, it's real. And I want to, I just want to put that out there. Thank you. Sweet. And the only thing I would say, Quincy, is the scarcity mindset is to learn and then to do. I think the abundance mindset is to learn, to do, and then to teach. And, and the crazy part about it is everyone thinks it's proprietary. And if I teach other people how to do it, they're going to, sh- they're going to steal my secrets, but the opportunities that you're, you're uh, afforded once you start a community like Jake and Gene, I mean, I podcasted T Harv Ecker. I podcasted Robert Kiyosaki, uh, Gary Ridge, the list goes on and on. And I've been able to learn from these people that it would cost me thousands of dollars to get private coaching. And I've been able to do it through the, that abundance mindset of teaching others. And when you're teaching others, the amount of information, the amount of knowledge that you're learning yourself is just, it's just amazing. Sometimes I sit back and go, I can't believe we just had a call with this person and we just learned so much. And it was from the education side and it's just an amazing thing. So I think if we can all live by that tenet of learn, do and teach, it's a great way of giving back. And it's also a great way to create impact for yourself and to continue to grow yourself as well. Yeah, that is, that is beautifully articulated by you both. And, uh, all you did was prove me right by what I said, and I, I deeply appreciate that. <laughs> That's what I would always tell the people who uh, who I hired. I would say, look, here's here's why I'm hiring you. Come to work and prove me right every single day. Wow. Um, I like that. So, guys, it's it has been absolutely wonderful to spend some time with you. I hope at some point we can have you back again, and you can talk to. Uh, talk to the audience about whatever is going on at the moment or time, or if you have something that's an educational piece, the show will be yours to come on and talk about. So thank you very, very much uh, for your time. Thank you for sharing your, your knowledge and your wisdom um, and, and creating some time for us so that we can create some opportunities and, and value for our audience. Thank you very much. Thanks, Quincy. Thanks, Jeannie. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Amazing podcast. All right. Y'all have a great one. For the Barbaro family, she's Gina Moran. I'm Quincy Moran, and this is Man versus Marriage. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? You gotta live on purpose for a purpose. It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. This is Man vs. Mary, the podcast.